For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench, and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the Anshi Spoke Podcast. Today, we have a super special guest, Sadie Nardini. Sadie, I think, is one of the most recognizable faces in online yoga with her bleach blonde mohawk, rocker vibe, and she is someone that we have long admired and followed for years. She's one of the top online yoga and fitness creators with a thriving online membership called the Fit and Fierce Club. For any of you building an online business and struggling with social media and authenticity, I think you're going to love this conversation. Sadie was incredibly open and honest about how she built her business from the ground up, her struggles with conforming to the typical yoga teacher image, and some of her very early marketing moves. We also get into mezcal and midnight haircuts. It is my great pleasure to introduce you to Sadie Nardini. Well, welcome, Sadie, to the show. This has been a long time coming. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. I know I've been looking forward to it for a while. Excited. Yeah, it's just like we got Sadie Nardini on the show. It's so awesome. So welcome. For those of our listeners that may not know who you are, do you want to just give them a few minute intro? Sure. I'm the girl with the blonde mohawk. (laughs) Rock who you are and all that good stuff. I'm the founder of Core Strength Vinyasa Yoga, which is an anatomy enhanced style of yoga based on our deep core muscle meridian. And the Yoga Shred, which is a really fun intertwining joint safer, high intensity interval training or hit with yoga for yogis to get us really superhero strong. And I am the singer in my band, Sadie and the Tribe, as well, on the on the side, and that's what I do. How long have you been teaching? Oh gosh, I'm 49 now. I'll be almost 50. I'm almost 50. So I guess I started really early. I started when I think I was 20, and my yoga teacher in Seattle. And you got to know, like this is back in the day when there weren't a lot of teacher trainings at all. There weren't really yoga classes that many places. This woman was just a really early adopter. And I studied with her for three years. And one day she said, I've trained you well enough. I'm moving to India. You're taking over. Go teach. Because I had no access to teacher training. So I did it the old school way. I started teaching Ashtanga. That was my first style with this kind of transmission. Did not know I was doing it the classical way. Totally terrified. And that's how I began. And I've been doing it ever since. Never stopped ever since then. 
Wow. So when you started practicing, did you have any intention that this could be a career for you? No, not at all. In fact, I never, even through training with her, I was really doing it to become a better student. I never wanted to teach. I would say it all the time. Like I, I, we talk about mantras becoming reality. However, my mantra was, I will never teach. It will take all the passion out of it. I just want to be a student. I don't want the pressure. I'm not one of those yoga teacher types, I guess. And then I said, I'll never be a traveling, touring yogi. Once I was a teacher, I'm like, okay, but then I'll never, I'm not going to be one of those yoga journal touring teachers. And lo and behold, here now I was with yoga journal events for many years. But the universe had different ideas for me and I kind of had to go along. I started to actually save my life because I was severely spinally injured when I was a teenager, a grown man cannonballed, you know, when they like jump off the side of a pool and hold their knees, he cannonballed onto my head when I was 13 years old, a tiny little slip of a thing and injured my neck. I think it was broken. We're not, it was 20 years later. So that I even remember the accident. It's a whole story. But anyway, I was severely injured and partially paralyzed for two years. I couldn't move. I couldn't walk. I could like barely crawl around a little bit, but my whole central nervous system just shut down. And since I didn't remember the accident, head injury, and sometimes you won't remember what happened, the doctors did not know what to look for. So I never got a neck x-ray. They just said, well, maybe you have spinal meningitis, but it looks like it's healed in the two weeks since you, I waited two weeks to go in you know, good luck. Good luck to you. Get her a wheelchair. See if she heals naturally. They shot some stuff in my spinal cord and sent me home and that was it. So for 20 years, I had horrible body issues, neck pain, migraines, partial paralysis that got better and better over 10 years, but I was extremely weak. So I went to yoga because I heard it was healing for the body and I needed to get stronger, but I couldn't do anything when I first started. The chair pose was way beyond me. So I just built, I built myself from the ground up first by myself with a book from the sixties that my mom had called Richard Hittleman's 28 day yoga plan or something like that. And it was horrible fashion. The girl had like this flesh colored unitard on and just like kind of questionable alignment, but I couldn't do any of that stuff anyway. So I just was breathing and gentle restorative stuff. And then I chipped away and moved into more and more potential with my body until these days, I still have to be careful of my neck and my spine, but I am strong and free. I can do so much. And, you know, why not teach that to people? Yeah, I've been loving your videos, your sort of instructional videos that you have on Instagram that like this, this, you know, I'm waving my finger like you do, like, don't do this. This is, yeah. I hate when people are like, no, no, no. Oh, maybe that's right. not what you do. You probably don't no. do that. And you're like, I just kind of start to, because you have to go, no, don't do that. But I, then I, you'll see me go, like, don't. If so, if we <laughs> have this, else. this is going to be video and podcast. So people who are audio are like, what are they talking about? So you I'm have not to go watch all finger, our hand movements. In your face, but I'm trying to find a way to say, don't do that in mime. It's impossible. Right, I'm like, right. I'm like doing the throat thing. Like, no, like cut it, cut it. No, but I just, oh, I'm funny. like making fists. I can't, my first finger comes out to say no. And then I remember I don't like seeing that. So I right, just like, right. <laughs> hold it in. Hold so it in. I want to know about this business journey. So when, or how long have you been online teaching? Well, I was one of the first yoga people to yeah. go on YouTube way back in the day. I don't even remember what year it was. I mean, 2000 something after I came to New York. So probably 2001 or two, Mm -hmm. I was just really frustrated after moving from Iowa to Seattle. And I had a big thriving yoga collective there. Then going to New York city, where by that time there was a lot more yoga teaching, yoga centers, yoga classes everywhere. I was an unknown. Nobody knew me or cared. I got a class at a studio. It was you know, a big deal that I even got a class. And then like five people would come, eight people would come. And I thought, oh, I miss that like 50, 75 people in class because it's just such an energetic vibe. And what can I do to help other people 
rather than only these eight people that are coming to class once a week, how, how do I reach more people with the information and knowledge that I have, which I'm not seeing taught in this exact way? Because we're all different. As many yoga teachers as there are, we're all unique. And we, our voices need to be heard for some students. So I just said, I have no technical knowledge. I know nothing, less than nothing. How do I make a video of the things I know and then put it on that weird channel where it's mostly kids jumping off their parents' roofs onto trampolines and stuff, right. that YouTube thing? Because yes. I searched for yoga on it and there were only like grainy black and white videos of Iyengar uh-huh. way back in the day. I was like, I mean, maybe there are some yoga people on there. I don't know. I went to Best Buy in Brooklyn. I told them what I wanted to do. And they were like, gosh, how could we do that? No one knew anything. They're like, okay, well. No gear guide? No gear guide. You can, you can use a, like, you got to have a light somewhere. You need a space. Here's the camera. Here's how to use it. Here's how to hook it into your computer and get that video on your computer. And it was so rudimentary. I look back now, I laugh. And those videos looked like 70s horror B-movies. They were horribly lit. It, I, I put a lamp over on the side over there, like on me. And then I would film with the curtains open and not realize until after I'd done a 45-minute class that I was backlit and all you could see was a silhouette. So I'd put those up and be like, I mean, just follow along with the shadow that you're seeing. And <laughs> I got a few people who wanted to do it. But it wasn't until I started following this celebrity gossip online dude called Perez Hilton. I don't know if anybody out there knows him, but Perez Hilton is like a fabulous celebrity blogger, vlogger. He's got this site. It's so cheesy. It's like, what's Britney Spears going to do now that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. And I knew he wanted to lose weight. And I took a nap and had this inspiration that seemed ridiculous. I said, Perez Hilton wants to lose weight. I am going to make him a yoga class sequence named for the celebrities I know he loves and just make it lighthearted and send it to him just as an offering for. That's so audacious. Like I I just have to pause here and say, Sadie, there are very few people that would have the audacity to actually reach out to someone like Perez Hilton and send him something that they made. So is that something that Were you already kind of audacious and brave? Did that make you feel any kind of fear to send that to him? No, I, yeah, I am that kind of person. I mean, in ways, in ways I have, I have strange places where I feel really vulnerable and and I don't know the deal. So I, I won't approach it to the point where I did not take a cab in New York city for the first four years I lived there because I didn't know the deal. Like, how do you, do you get in and you tell them where you want to go? Do you pay first? How do you pay? Like, how do you hand them? Do you tip? I didn't know. And so I did not take a cab. I would just walk or take the subway. However, when it comes to moving my creativity forward, I am extremely audacious because I'm a creatrix. I love creating. I want that energy out there. And I realized a long time ago that those who want it and need it will really be attracted to it. They'll find it somehow. It's just getting it out there. You got to get creative. And also, I just really loved the cheesy gossip site when I didn't want to think about yoga or anatomy or spirituality and read another book. I went to his site, just brain mushed, just brain mushed out. And I did genuinely want to thank him. I did not think he would do what he did, which is post the thing five minutes after I sent it to him and say, this is ferocious. Like ferocious. (laughs) I think he meant ferocious. He's got his language. You know, this is ferocious. (laughs) That's my new word. Ferocious. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I was looking at my YouTube channel after that, just to do something else on it. And all of a sudden I started getting subscribers, 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 and comments, comments. I went from 100 subscribers to 9,000 in about 24 hours on YouTube. And that was the seed of a lot of success on YouTube. A lot more people, I think these days, I don't even know how many are on there. I, I kind of fell off my YouTube, but I'm getting back on now. I'm just rejuvenating it this week. 
But that was a huge deal because once more people were watching what I was doing, then I started getting requests for workshops and retreats and studios wanting me to come visit their studio somewhere and pay me to do that, which was really mind-blowing at the time. And I had a little leverage to be able to write places audaciously, like Yoga Journal, who you do not write. I don't know if you know that. Like You're not supposed to email them and say, hey, I see you have an upcoming conference in New York City. I've got a lot of people from all over on YouTube. I also have been teaching more students in New York City, which I'd love to bring to the New York City event. And they wrote me back and they go, wow, well, this is surprising because normally teachers don't write us. We find the teacher and invite them. It was a really passive aggressive beginning, but we ended up having a great relationship. And I could say, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing some success in this way and I'd love to transfer that to your festival because they're a business, you know, above all they're a business and then a conscious one. And they wrote me back and said, hey, actually, we have a slot that just opened. It's a 6 a.m. meditation slot on a Friday, the first day of the conference. Would you like that? Here's where audacity and also clarity comes in. I said no, because I'm not a meditation teacher. I teach meditation, but that's not where my main passions lie. That's not my brand. That's not my heart. And I said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have to decline that class because here's my specialty. And if I'm going to bring my people to the event, they're going to be expecting more like this, like a core strength vinyasa, anatomy-based fun, creative flow with music. If you have any spots like that, I would love to be a part of it. And they're like, okay, thank you. Um, We'll let you know. And I just thought, damn, I messed that up. You know, like I'll probably never hear from them again. The next day they wrote me and said, we have a Friday night, 6 p.m. power vinyasa flow type slot, two hours. Would you like that? And I'm like, now we're talking. I had never been at a conference before. I'd never taught on a stage with a Britney Spears mic on. I didn't even know what to do, but I said, yes, I'm showing up and then I'm going to handle it. We'll see what we'll see how this goes. No idea if any of my people would show up or not. I'm like, I'll probably have five people there now. I talked a big game and like, no one's going to show up and that will be it for my conference future, which now I wanted after saying I didn't for all those years. I was like, oh, this sounds fun. I'm going to do it. And I showed up on the night and the lady who books all the conferences and all the classes, she said, she came up to me right before my class. I had not seen the room yet, did not know who was in there. She said, Sadie, I'm so sorry. We have a problem. And I was like, oh no. And right away, problem in my mind was nobody showed up. We have to cancel your class. You can take another class for free and then get out of our conference. I didn't know what they were going to say, but she said, so many people showed up for this class that we actually want to take the wall down between this room and the next room, expand your stage and have you teach the whole room. Are you comfortable with that? I think the most people I'd ever taught at that point was maybe 75 people. I said, how many people are in there? She goes, about 300. (laughs) And I looked her dead in the face. My heart was pounding, but I just said, oh yeah, absolutely. That'll be fine. I'm used to it. It happens all the time. Totally. People follow the crowds follow me. That's what I do. That's right. Because I learned from being so physically uncomfortable for so many years that your insides can go crazy, but your outside can still move slowly and purposefully and and courageously through the world. Mm-hmm. And so my presentation is, is always, I will show up, I will do this. And I still have people telling me that was one of the reasons they started coming with me on a years long journey, or they just love that class. But inside I was freaking out. Yeah, it's good to hear that because everyone thinks that successful people, you know, like all the yoga journal, the yogi stars are like, cool, chill, no problem. So I want to hear about your personal brand. Have you always had a mohawk? Is this always you, you know, super edgy, fierce rock and roll band? Like, or did you like, tell me how that came about. I want to hear the story. Well, yes and no. 
I've always been like this. Yes and no. Yes, because when I was in high school and no one was looking, I had short hair like this. I had into college. Right after college, I had the short hair and the kind of like rock and roll. I was always in a band. I was always singing something. I loved that. Not the raunchy rock lifestyle necessarily, but I just really liked that that edgy Scorpio vibe. So yes. And then when I got into the yoga community, I was getting a lot of messages that, oh, if, well, if you want to be on the cover of our magazine, you're not really on brand for our community or for the yoga community, whatever that is. And we, we really, like, if you ever grow out your hair, let us know. I had a lot of... They actually said that, eh? Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been told that by a certain extremely huge yoga magazine who shall remain nameless, but there's only like <laughs> one. So one. <laughs> um, you, I, so I, I grew my hair out. I grew my hair out, long red hair, Betty Page bangs though, for a little bit of edge. I had to do something and I would wear beige sometimes too. And like the mala beads and kind of the look. And I thought, well, I guess in order to proceed with success in this arena, I'm going to have to fit the mold. I'm going to have to become the yogini. Hmm. And that had a certain look those days and still kind of does. Mm -hmm. I was told, oh, we have to cover your tattoos for the shoot for another magazine. Oh, we, you know, well, if you go to this country or this country, you, they're really yogic or this conference is really yogic. So you should wear long sleeves and cover your tattoos up. And like, that's not a good look. And I had a lot of that barrage and I fell for it for quite a few years. I saw people like, oh, I loved your red hair. Well, great. But that was me settling and that was me trying to conform. Then the farther I got into my yoga career, the more success I had, the more I had my own kind of mastery over my career back, the more I started going in social media and creating my own audience and tribe that was not just linked to a conference, this or that or this or that studio, when I had my people that I could communicate with, I one day was in Mexico with my red hair. And I thought, I don't have to do this anymore. If I don't want to, I'm going to risk something tonight, tonight, and see if the people that love me come along with me, because this isn't me. And I drank some mezcal. I smoked a cigar that doesn't have anything to do with it, but I did. I was in a palapa in Mexico on the beach. And I told my friend who was with me, I said, we're going to ride our bikes. This was before the mezcal. Then I drank mezcal to become more courageous. But we're going to ride our bikes to the, the like Mexican Walmart, whatever, and get clippers. And you're going to shave my head back to the thing I like. Mm. He's not a hairdresser. He's like, oh my God, what? You know, <laughs> just do it. Mezcal makes you very courageous too. So be careful of if you if you do drink, how much you drink. But he shaved the sides of my red hair. So now I had this weird hybrid party in the back, business in the front kind of mullet. <laughs> but then it became this, 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 this. And this is a symbol for me, this mohawk, of my true nature being shown to the world without compromise. And I cannot tell you how many women that I don't know come up to me who have nothing to like their, their styles are not like this at all. They are come up to me like I'm a unicorn. Like we love your hair. It's like rock on sister. It's so cool seeing a woman who, who will do. And I wish I could do this. And, oh, I'm not, I'm not brave enough to do that. I hear it almost every day. And I'm like, you can do it. You know? <laughs> Or don't, but just be the mohawk on the inside. I mean, we can all be ourselves the most fully in our own ways. Maybe that's like rocking a little red lipstick today when you're like, oh, I should probably just tone it down. Or maybe you don't want to tone it down, tone it up. For me, that's what this represents. Yeah, I love that. I love it. So thinking about your own personal brand and how social media has obviously allowed you to have that or at least elevated that permission in your business and in your life. What is your relationship to social media now? Do you have a complicated relationship with it? Do you feel any hesitation towards it? Do you ideally in Sadie's life and Sadie's world, what role does social play? I love it. I personally have a hundred percent 
positive relationship with social media, my, my social media, because I made it my own and I made it a forum within which I can speak freely about my truth and help empower other women to be real, to be fierce, to, like you said, be audacious. That's a great word. To be marvelous. Nice. (laughs) Marvelous, darling. And I refuse to fall into the social media traps that I see out there, like people trying to look perfect trying to be like the successful accounts in their field only, trying to copy them, trying to look a certain way because they think that's going to be popular. The most success that I've ever had on social media is today. This is a culmination and it just keeps getting better and better because my color scheme is what I would wear. It's not based on algorithms. It's not based on what color people sells better or whatever, you know, it's, it's not trying to look like that boho chic Byron Bay kind of aesthetic, which I love, but it's it's not me. My videos are whatever I feel like creating that week, the things that I think are important that are burning in my heart to say. And some days I make a reel sitting at lunch, which I've done three times in the past couple of weeks. And those have been my most successful, just stuff that I feel is on my heart. And then I have collected and continue to collect what I call a tribe that is resonant with me that wants to hear what I have to say in the way that I have to say it. I think social media is great. I think it can be an extremely powerful medium of connection and expression, very life changing for those who use it, I think, optimally, and don't use it to just look a certain way or to fit in. Mm -hmm. To fit in. One of the things that we constantly hear with our clients is they are afraid to take action, to post, to speak, to look, all the things you've just described you've done. I'm afraid to do that because people will say things and it looks going to be negative. So it's better if I just stay quiet and don't do it and mull about in unhappiness, which is funny because if they posted and someone said something, they'd be unhappy anyway. It's like, how do you handle that? Is there any fear that there'll be any kind of backlash or judgment about you? Oh yeah. Like every other time I post, I know what I, I just, I take a breath. And I post it and I do it at times when I feel very personally centered because I know I'll get 99% positive comments, but that there's always one. And by always one, I mean between one and 20 people who are going to have something to say. And it's just a reflection of how they feel about themselves inside because if you don't like something online, I mean, it's somebody trying to give you some helpful advice or share something personal. And then there's always people who want to tear them down. You can give criticism any way. You can just simply unfollow somebody or mute them. You don't have to post something nasty. You don't have to post something after you drank all the haterade and now you're just spewing troll-like behavior on to this person's feed. So if you do choose to do that, if someone chooses to do that, you know that's how they're relating to themselves and the world in general, and they must be in a lot of self-hatred and pain. That's not a great way to live. I feel for them. I feel for them. I either block them, delete them, respond to them if it's an educational moment where I can be like, this is a teachable moment for you. (laughs) I'll respond. Therefore, other people reading it will see how I responded to that. Sometimes that's important too. Here's the real, I think, secret to all of that. If you wait until everyone loves, gets what you're going to say, you will always be waiting and you will die with your true voice locked inside of you, which creates a lifetime of suffering, a lifetime of never feeling quite right in your body, in your life, of feeling abandoned because you are abandoning yourself when you allow other people to dictate how you speak your truth, how you look, how you move through the world and the actions you take. If you start doing that, you are instinctively telling yourself inherently that everyone else is more important than you, than what you need, what you actually want, and what you actually would do if you didn't give an ish about them. 
So to get back to a feeling of self-alignment and to feel that fullness that maybe some people try to get from the outside, that attention, that value, that you're okay, you're enough, it doesn't ever fully fill you up to get it from the outside anyway. To really do that, you've got to give yourself those direct messages that you're enough, you're valued, you're valuable, your voice is valuable, your choices are valuable. And anyway, you've got to be you. You're going to always get the lovers and the haters, no matter what you do. So why not just be yourself out there? Yeah. And feel a lot better about it. So what I love about what you just said is like you started this by saying, I love social media Mm -hmm. and that sort of, you know, that kind of attitude and thinking it's like, it fuels you to do all sorts of things on it, where I think a lot of our, I don't think, I know a lot of our clients are like, ah, social media. And then they just stay super small and super quiet. So I love that you're just stating it. Like, I love this tool. It's super powerful, super strong. It's great. It is. I think a lot of people just don't understand the possibility and the potential of it and how fun it is when you are not posting because you have to, or, you, or to let them know where your workshop is or to try to get them to buy a class online, but you're really posting as a creative tool as the artist that we all are in some way, what would light you up to talk about? How would you use social media if you actually would enjoy it? What would that look like? How many times a week? What content? How? I actually hate posting certain things. I can't even remember what they are, but there are lots of stuff that other people do online that I just really don't like doing. I have found ways to post information in the format that I love, like reels recently. I love reels. They are so quick to film. I film 20 of them at a time in the studio, quick edit, stick them up there, put some music on, write some text on. It's like a story. And then I can put that on my grid and my story. And then that story pushes to Facebook. So it's a really cool, quick, fun, creative way for me to keep people engaged and also multitask and not be having to post 15 different times, which would drive me crazy. I like to kind of use my pages to just expand one message a day instead of going to post a different thing on Facebook and going to post something completely different on a story. I balance that, but yeah, there's ways to use it that we call that uh, syndication. Yeah. Great. Syndicate it. Yes. Syndicate it sometimes post different stuff, but you can syndicate your core messages. And that's a really great way to think about it. Sadie, what would you say the division is in your business between how much you're actually teaching versus how much you're doing marketing, for example? How does that break down? No, I'm going to tell you I have a team, which I do now, but I did this. Which is one of our questions. So yeah, yeah, we'd like to hear I that did, too. Let's, I'll talk about this one. I did it all myself for years and years. Therefore, I know that it's completely possible to do it yourself. Now that we're in the worldwide apocalypse of this <laughs> pandemic, things have obviously changed. And I haven't been for a year teaching in person. I've been doing only digital, which has been great, actually. I love that. I will film about three classes a week. So let's just talk about how much I'm actually doing, right? I will film about three classes a week for my online subscription channel. That's the Fit and Fierce Club. I will film 20 reels every other week, and it takes me about an hour. It's real easy for me. Just I'm in, I'm out. I might do a live a week. I'm bad at live. I need to get back on because I teach everybody you have to do lives, and I don't do them as much as I should, so I'm doing them. And... So I teach about three or four hours a week on camera. Those three classes, you would film them back to back? Like you would just do them all in one time? They're over like a couple days? Yeah, because I'm going to need some wine after one class. Like I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing, I am not the teacher who can film for three hours and then just have it banked up. If If you can out there, that's great. But because of my injury, and just the way that I like to move, I don't, I like to just get creative, do a class, maybe like an intro or film a couple other things after that, and then go have lunch and have my Pinot Grigio meditation and, you know, just chill for the rest of the day. But social media, I probably spend half an hour a day 
doing things for my social media. It, sometimes it's two hours, sometimes it's nothing. But generally, I post a reel almost every day right now. I will be working on optimizing stuff a lot. And then there are times when we do sales and things, and I've got to talk about that. So that's a little bit more. But I mean, when you talk about a job that has brought me high six figures a year for the past four or five years, just doing what I love, three hours of teaching, four hours of teaching a week and an hour a day max, let's say that's the average. My job is maximum two hours a day total. That's amazing. Well, yeah, no. So, and I just also want to talk, I want to talk about the breakdown too, because we hear a lot of pushback from people who this is continually echoed kind of in our world, which is I'm really a teacher and I want to be on the mat and I want to be, or or I'm an artist and I want to be in my craft. And I think what everyone needs to acknowledge is that there's this, there's a significant part of what you do that isn't that. And that's part of this package of being an entrepreneur. And so like we, we say it's at least 50, 50 back of the napkin math, because that's what we've experienced ourselves in our own business. And you're saying it's maybe even a little bit more that you're doing on social or on marketing. Yeah. And, and marketing for me is joyful, right? It's not, yeah. yeah, It's letting people know where my stuff is that I'm really excited about and also giving them free tips and offering because, because I am a, teacher first and foremost i like service i'm i'm big on service i'm big on helping i would love to never charge for anything but my landlord doesn't take karma so i want to survive and thrive and i i'm perfectly comfortable making a good living doing what i'm educated for what i spent a ton of money to learn and time and energy and giving that expertise to help people level up their lives and bodies in some way I would say, yeah, 50-50, expect that. However, when we say marketing, I think there's that resistance, like it's old school, like you're at a car dealership or something, and now you have to go out and like, hey, would you like to buy this car? It's $500 off today only. That hard sell approach is not what you do, I know. It's not what I do. It is creating cool stuff and then letting enough people know it's there so that I get to create more cool stuff instead of having to go get a job I don't like <laughs> to pay aforementioned landlord. So if they love if they love teaching on the mat and they love being a teacher or a cre- or an artist, then you have simply got to do the other creative work which is gathering your community and mm-hmm. showcasing what you do in a way that is juicy and bite-sized and leads to your bigger Mm -hmm. meal, your bigger picture item. I'm sure you talk about it all the time. I get your newsletters. I love them. I get your emails. Your posts are awesome. I've never disagreed with anything you said because you get it. (laughs) Thank you, Sable. That's all, (laughs) all, Jenny. Same. (laughs) Yeah. What is your team like? Just so people have a reference. Who helps you with your marketing and filming? Okay. And remember, I did this all myself. So at one point for many years, But these days, my husband learned how to do professional video. He's a photographer by trade. I'm very lucky to be able to get great photos from him. And all the stuff you see online is usually him. And then we go into a studio space that just this year, we were able to have a brick and mortar filming space to use for my media, my classes online, and then other teachers also. We're starting a model where other teachers can hire us to create a bank of content for them as well in Santa Barbara. So he does the photos and the videos. I do my own handheld real stuff when it's personal or my lives. If we need professional, then he'll do the lives in studio. And that's really nice. But if you're listening going, well, yeah, she has a personal photographer. That's great. You can get a Bluetooth. You can set your camera up on a tripod. You can do great photos of yourself full body and everything yourself easily click. Hey, I just took a picture of myself. Your smartphone looks really good. The rest of my team, I have a girl who does my anchor posts on Instagram about the new classes coming up at the Fit and Fierce Club and my weekly schedule. And then she does stories about the new classes coming up because I don't like doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot to do that plus get creative and get excited about the things I really want to do. 
I hired her to do that and I pay her a monthly fee to just handle all of that. And then I have a content manager organizer girl. Her name's Oriana. She's awesome. She's also a singer in a pretty well-known reggae band here in California. (laughs) Musicians Creatives Unite. She overviews the content for the month with me. We have weekly meetings. We talk about what what the core things are we want to get across to people when we're doing sales, what we're offering when, if we're building courses, what when all of that, because my mind will explode. I'm a creative. I'm not that organized. I have gathered people in that help me organize better than I can myself. And then her husband, Eric, is a tech web guy who manages and built my courses page, manages the online subscription channel, and then helps me with any other technical stuff, discount codes, and they do the customer service as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't, they just, I get an email a week instead of a hundred emails a week. Yeah. That's great. So that's still a, like, that's a small team for the kind of operation that you're running. So I think that's good to share as well, that you don't need to have, you know, a giant group of people behind a business like yours, that it's, it can be kind of a lean operation. Yeah. And if you are really resistant to social media, you can always hire or trade with someone who's social media savvy to post your core stuff that you really need to be posting three times a week. And then you can jump on and do stories about moments that you're having in your life, jump on there and say a little something. That sort of stuff can be a nice way to get you started with, okay, I don't want to do all the boring marketing stuff, but I do want to add my voice in and show my life a little bit, add some tips in for people, whatever. That's what I basically do now. It's just on a larger scale. I decided a long time ago, I don't want to work harder. I want to work smarter. I want to have the two-hour workday. I want to know where does my energy have to go to make the biggest impact? And nothing extraneous, just what do I have to be posting each week to reach people with these four messages and then draw them back to me in ways that I want and be very clear about who I am also. What has the last 14, 15 months been like? Hmm. Well, mind-blowingly weird, just like for everyone. If I'm getting a little whiskey voice, it's because we just had a wildfire here last night and it was there's a lot of smoke in town, but thankfully it's good. Luckily, I had done what I drill into people I talk to at conferences now because now I'm talking, yes, I do the yoga, yoga shred stuff, but I'm talking a lot about how to build your social media empire in a way that makes you actually happy and passionate. And I was so lucky that I had done what I've been harping on everyone else to do. And I created online content and I created a a subscription channel that I'd been building for a few months. I had courses, I had teacher trainings because I did that work. And the second the pandemic hit and we got completely locked down here in California, like we were one of the first to go into everything's closed one month. Let's do this. And it was such a shock to go from singing at a big gig in LA and going to the magic castle, magic factory castle thing. And like being around all these people to nothing. I freaked out a little bit for that first month. And I know everybody else did too, because all of a sudden you couldn't get to your classes. You want to still be practicing yoga with your teachers, but no one can, or your fitness practice, your mind, everyone needed some mental balance. What are we going to do? And I was instantly able to say, here are nine free weeks at my Fit and Fierce Club. Cancel with a click. Don't worry about staying. If you do, I would love it. But this is just a gift for everyone right now to keep up with your practice, to stay on track. And it gives me something to anchor into and create during this pandemic, knowing that you're here. 2,000 people or 2,500 people signed up for that in 48 hours. And yes, it was a good marketing technique. But And I, I hoped that people would stay, and a lot of them stayed. However, you can't come from that place first or the vibe is off and it's just not going to work out. I really wanted to help people. I really felt like I had something to give so I could give it. And because I had something to give and gave it, I got a lot of 
boost and benefit not only keeping me centered and focused during the pandemic, because now I have a lot more people in my club to be teaching, but also I just really got a lot of beautiful feedback, even from people who couldn't afford to stay because they lost their jobs and their studios all of a sudden, that it just saved them and helped them so much. And that's another form of energetic payment for me that I accept. And then just one last question to wrap this up. Trends, what do you think as as the world, certainly in your country, America, that things are opening up. So as that sort of trickles it throughout the world, what do you think the impacts are going to be of the pandemic on your industry? I think that people will, who have been able to keep their brick and mortar spaces open or teach in person are going to get a big boost for the next few months of people who are kind of sick of practicing online, but don't, they don't want to lose that either. Because now people know that something like this could happen at any time. And so not only should you keep your online subscription as a student, you want to you keep that even as a teacher. As a teacher, you want to definitely keep and build and not forget about your online content because should you have to go on vacation, should you, God forbid, you get sick or injured, if anything like this happens again, because this is probably not the last pandemic we're going to go through, you will, like me, have something you can activate the whole way. And a lot of people like studying online. They just don't like public classes. You'll see people also not wanting to go back to public classes because we're traumatized. And all of this together means teach in person, do what you love, but continue simultaneously to build your digital content and your digital empire. Really build that up. and. Don't forget about it just because we have a moment where, oh, things are open again. I had my best year ever during the pandemic, business-wise. I did not have my best year ever mentally, (laughs) you know, or anxiety-wise, but I did have my best year ever financially. And and that was only because I didn't start when the O-S-H-I-T moment happened. I didn't start when that moment happened like so many people, although we've all been telling them for months and years, you need this content. You never know when you're going to need it. And also it's a whole bunch of people who won't be able to meet you in person that want your beautiful teaching and that need their teacher, but you're not there because you're picking yourself apart or you don't know technology and you're letting your fears get in the way. We can vault over ourselves because they need us. We're here to serve. It's about them ultimately, not us, even though I use myself as the brand. I'm doing that because I know I will reach people who need my message. And it's more for them than it is for me. And it helps me get over myself. Yeah, totally. And I will just say too, we have had these moments. We've seen it over the last five years, really since we got started, because every single hurricane season, we have the same thing that's happened during the pandemic where studios are getting decimated and people are having to relocate out of their communities and major snowstorms and then other health disaster. I mean, it's just like one thing after another. So I think that's such wise advice, Sadie, because this pandemic was at a scale that none of us have ever witnessed in our lifetime, but it's certainly not unique in the way it shakes things up for our kinds of, for our industry. So. Yeah. It's not overwhelming if you just start and you bite, you piece it out, you bite size it out. And then you'll realize you're just repeating the same actions over and over. You don't have to learn the whole interwebs. You don't have to become Steven Spielberg or be a tech genius. You're going to have to know like 10 different things. And that's how you create a video to put it online. And then you can make courses, you can make trainings, you can make playlists, mini classes, you can do a subscription channel, which if you do the math, I'm sure you've probably tried to hammer this home a lot. But if you do the math, subscription channels or your virtual studio is infinitely more lucrative for the energy that you put in, I think, than doing almost anything else. So if you have to start somewhere, you already know how to teach classes, teach to the camera, which is perhaps a thousand people through that camera lens, talk to them, teach like you're teaching a friend, put classes up and start telling your audience about your monthly membership. Because if you have 100 students that pay you 10 bucks a month, let's say, that's 1,000 bucks a month. And that is every month. It's not just 
a hundred students, you manage to get to one workshop, you got some money and then they leave. Because I want to see people thrive with longevity instead of constantly having to market the one-off this and the one-off that subscription channels where it's at. So that's how I think it is needing to go forward now with the virtual studio and the in-person stuff, just really married now forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think it accelerated trends that were already happening. It just accelerated them by a decade. Okay. And Sadie, what about a tool that you would recommend for our listeners to hustle in their career and something that's bringing you joy right now in your life? Well, okay. So the something that's bringing me joy is the fact that now things are opening. I get to go back to Sweden where there are musicians and a recording studio waiting for us. And we get to create more music. We have created some awesome songs already and they're real. They're on Spotify and all that stuff. But just the aspect of creating and focusing on something that has nothing to do with yoga, with wellness, with or the pandemic, (laughs) or the pandemic, it's a way for me to step back from everything I usually do to risk and get outside my comfort zone and be vulnerable in a new way. And it lets me take a break from over focusing on just yoga, 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 because that tends to burn me out. So my joy is to go in and do music and travel. And that's what we're going to get to do. And I'm just so happy that this is starting to open up. The hustle, I would say, is switch your perspective on social media, on digital creation from I have to, to I get to, because you are a creator, you, you have something that's burning in you. Otherwise you wouldn't want to teach people this. You get an opportunity with an online channel, with, with Instagram, Facebook, whatever you do, you get that platform to be able to share your truth and your burning passion with whoever wants to come back and, and resonate with it. And you'll get so much positive feedback from that, that eventually the more you do it, the negative ones just seem ridiculous because you know, from all these people saying how much you help them, that there's a good reason you're doing it. Post passion, not hard, cold information. If you can get past that posting information mindset into posting your passion, which will inherently include some information about how they can study more with you and things that changes everything. And now social media becomes freaking fun instead of just another drudging job that you have to do. You don't have to, you get to. I love it. I have to, to, I get to. Where can people find you if they want to connect and see all your amazing photographs and work? They can just go on Instagram or Facebook. I'm at Sadie Nardini official because I guess so many people are trying to be me. Yeah. <laughs> or not. You got like the blue check mark good. and everything. I got the name. blue check mark. It's pretty cool. I don't even <laughs> know how that. I, yeah, that's a pretty neat thing to see when you wake up in the morning. That's at Sadie Nardini official. That's all my free stuff. I have a lot of links on my Instagram bio to just telling you neat things you can go do with me and all of my trainings. My online channel is there and you get a really good deal on my online classes as well. If you click the bio link up there, just fun stuff. But if you know, you don't have to buy stuff, just come and have fun and practice. And I'm always giving free classes and things to my newsletter peeps. So awesome. That's that. Well, thank you so much, Sadie. Thank you, Sadie. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. So happy to have been here with both of you.